0: Welcome, you're listening to a broadcast by Barnabas Foundation, your trusted partner for smart and powerful generosity. And here's your host, Reverend Philip Leo, Director of Church Communications. Thanks so much for joining us today for Barnabas Foundation's live training. It's great uh, to be with you. I'm so thankful that you took some time to share with us today. And uh, I'm happy to have with us the Baker, Steve's a senior estate planner for Barnabas Foundation. Steve, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time.
1: Glad to be here. Thanks, Bill.
0: Today, we're going to be talking about five reasons your church members don't have a will. And Steve and I will, uh, one of the things I want to talk about first is why this matters. Why does it matter uh, that church members uh, don't have a will? And that? Uh, what does it take to get them to a place where they do have a a will and what does that matter for church ministry and why does that make a difference before we get to that though I want to just mention that uh, if you have questions for Steve uh, make sure you use the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen uh, place them in there and we'll include them into our conversation we'd like to be uh, interactive in this conversation love your input on it also I want to just remind you that uh, this uh, conversation will be put out as a video and also as a podcast. Uh, I'll make sure that you see it in all of our different uh, communication channels, take it and share it with a deacon, take it and share it with a council member and ask them to watch this and then follow up with them and ask, and ask them what they thought about it and uh, see if they have any questions and get the dialogue going around Uh, Our question today. Also, I want to just mention to you that uh, next month in October, Barnabas Foundation is is going to be offering a special series. I'm happy to be able to offer it to churches, to pastors, to church leaders. Uh, The series is going to focus on gifts that reduce taxes. It's going to be a four part series. It's beginning on October 14, and we're going to work through the topics of giving stock. Uh, giving from an IRA, giving real estate and business interests, and uh, then lastly, giving commodities. So keep an eye out for promotional materials that we're putting out about this special series. And again, I'm happy to be able to offer it to churches uh, along with our member organizations at Barnabas Foundation. So Steve, let's uh, dive in. Let's uh, reflect just a little bit about why this question of uh, whether or not church members have a will, why does it matter for churches? And, um, and I'll just say that it's, a, it's the kind of thing that a lot of church leaders, a lot of church pastors miss or don't understand uh, why it matters for church ministry.
1: Yeah, I think it's really important to, to, to kind of broach this subject or this question a couple of different ways. Um, You know, one of those is from a a larger perspective, broader perspective. So um, kind of think about when people are are not doing planning like this, will planning and and that kind of thing, that they're really not engaging in the full aspects of stewardship. From a church standpoint, you know, we, we encourage people to be the steward that God wants them to be. They get involved in ministries. They volunteer their time. They tithe. But this is one of the areas that, that people have a hard time digging into stewardship and realizing that this is part of our being the steward that God wants us to be. So uh, I, think, I think if we can get people more involved in the process, then they're being more engaged in, in being the steward that God wants them to be. I think from a, a real practical standpoint, um, you know, statistics tend to show about six out of 10 people in the United States don't have a will. So what that really means is, and for church, for people in the churches, their families are at risk. Um, we can't go into all the risks associated with that in this kind of a topic, but, but there's just some things that they, they really should be taken care of, and families are at risk when you don't do this kind of planning. And then the third thing, I think, from a, from a real specific church perspective is, you know, these are people who have been involved in ministries at the church for a long time many many of the of the people have been involved in churches' ministries for for a long time and so if they don't do will planning then then the churches kind of miss out on the opportunity for for those people to kind of give back to the church through their wills to continue to support the, the ministries that they've been involved with so you know that's a real practical thing there's there's a lot of people that haven't really thought through that idea of of making a bequest uh, to their church because they've been involved in the church for so long. So, yeah. yeah.
0: I just had an email last week uh, from someone that reached out to me. They know I work with Barnabas Foundation and uh, they said, you know, I don't know if Barnabas Foundation is right for me, uh, but I have some questions about my will. But I don't really, you know, I don't have a, a large estate or a lot of wealth or anything like that. So I don't really know if Barnabas Foundation is right for me. And I replied back and I said, you know, it really uh, boils down to charitable intent. If you have uh, charitable intent with respect to your estate, then uh, Barnabas Foundation is the place to be having that conversation. And she emailed back and she said, well, that's exactly what um, I want to be about because I want to give a gift to my church uh, in my will, but not sure exactly the right way to do that. Um, and longtime member of her church, longtime you know, supporter active in her church. And it's exactly, um, exactly the kind of thing that we're trying to accomplish with helping people complete their will. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So let's,
0: uh, so let's dive into some of these barriers, uh, five reasons why church members don't have a will. Uh, let's just begin with couples. What's uh, what can be challenging for couples when it comes to completing
1: their will? Sure. Well, I, the first one I'm going to mention is is sort of a, applies to everybody, really. Couples, single person. Um, I, I think it's really this idea that that we're having to kind of face our mortality. You know, we, we talk about as one of my kids said to me a long time ago, you talk about that death stuff, and and it's really um, at, at the heart of it, I think people are are finding that hard to do. We know we should do it, but we keep putting it off because we don't want to deal with that kind of a question, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because we know that death is not a problem for us. Uh, right. But I think when we are thinking about it and planning with, with resources, it, it can become a challenge. So it's um, sort of
0: like basic avoidance. Yes. Your basic avoidance. Yep. Don't want to deal with it
1: just don't want to deal with it. Um, then, then there's um, the, the for especially for couples that have um, minor children, um, dealing with the whole, who's going to be the guardian question um, becomes really challenging. Um, location, the right person, you know, all of those kinds of questions kind of come into play. Um, but I think at the, at another part of this is people have to make some decisions. You know, you, you have to take a stand and say, this is what I want to do. Um, you can't just willy nilly hope that it goes okay. And I think again, that's that's just a difficult um, a difficult part of it. Sometimes the cost and, and just not knowing that uh, it's not that hard to do, but the cost and, and not knowing where to begin is another one of those roadblocks that people just say, "Okay, I'll just put it off till later. Don't worry about it. You know, whatever." Um, and I think I think sometimes it raises these questions about different ideas uh, between a couple. You know, one of the spouses might have this kind of an idea, the other one might have this kind of an idea. So whenever we have this potential for—and I won't call it a big conflict, but conflict. Um, A lot of times it gets shoved under the rug and we don't want to deal with it, but those discussions can be really healthy between the couple to kind of figure out how do we navigate through this difference of of ideas or opinions, so.
0: Yeah, that's interesting uh, in terms of, it can be about relationship too, right? It can be about, like you're saying, uh, uh, if there's differences of opinions or different perspectives on how how an estate gets used, once uh, the couple has gone to glory, then uh, uh, there are those relationship issues in terms of them having to work that out and work together uh, to accomplish it. Uh, I just want to remind uh, those who are joining us, if you have questions, uh, feel free to use the question uh, button at the bottom of your screen. Uh, We'd love to engage with you in our conversation. Steve, let's talk about couples with children. Um, how might that become a challenging factor for couples who uh, want to complete a will, but haven't done that yet?
1: Well, I'll go back to my first part. And um, the previous answer was just the whole guardianship issue. Um, if, if people don't have minor children, then, you know, the guardianship isn't really an issue. Um, but with adult children, um, it can be challenging to kind of work through this whole idea of, yeah, we wanna benefit them, but, but how do we benefit them? Um, is it an outright distribution? Um, do we have adult children who have some circumstances that might require more long-term planning? Um, or even the, the larger question, which, which uh, I know we've had conversations with couples about is, you know how much is enough to leave children? Um, so it kind of runs the whole, the whole gamut. Um, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing. God calls us to, to benefit our families, to provide for our families. Um, but within that there, there's no general prescription of this is how you do it. There's multiple ways to do it. And, and I think that can be challenging, um, for couples. Um, some of the, the adult children are are doing great some not so great. They have different needs and different challenges. So, um, you start to have these conversations about fairness, um, versus equal. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those, those two do not, um, mean the same thing. So, right. Right. So that can be another one of those, as you mentioned earlier, the relational sort of challenge that couples have to work through. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's what I think is that, uh, you know sometimes people in general or we all get stuck and uh, every couple gets stuck and sometimes you can get stuck on this question of a will and when you get stuck the healthy thing to do is to get some help right to who can we uh, go to for some help talking through what these issues are who have some experience some expertise and of course that's uh, where you come in, Steve. So we're so happy uh, that you're on the job. Let's talk about uh, deciding on who to name as an executor or a trustee uh, and how that can be a barrier sometimes to completing a will.
1: Well, when we talk about the planning, you know, the participants or the people that are gonna uh, be here to fulfill the wishes that you have Are generally called executors or personal representatives um and and or sometimes maybe a trustee but the point of the difficulty with it is uh, sometimes we think that we have to have this perfect person to do this that that there is um a a way to find somebody who can just be fantastic in this Mm -hmm. and i i don't think that's going to happen um i think the challenge becomes between sometimes choosing between children or um, typically f- people like to kind of do the birth order kind of of decision making which can work just fine um, other times it doesn't work as well um, so the challenge is finding the right person not the perfect person but the right person and you you have to come to realize that you're trusting this person or persons that you name that they're going to that they're going to fulfill what your documents say to do. And there are processes by which they have to go through to to do all of these things, but um, you just have to trust that they're going to do it. Sometimes it is people. Um, Sometimes it doesn't work very well to have people do it. So we start to talk with folks sometimes about incorporating uh, what we call corporate fiduciaries. Um, They are, sometimes bank trust departments, et cetera, yeah. that will be there to always do the things that you want them to do. They have expertise in doing these things um, and and they do cost some funds to do that, but sometimes that's the better choice. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's just multiple things that go into choosing um, The executor. One of the things that's helpful though is to understand from a a person's or a couple's standpoint is the person you're designating to do this doesn't have to be the person that just does everything. They have the ability to hire a an attorney to help them kind of complete the whole estate process. They can hire tax people to do any kind of tax work, etc. So you're you're choosing somebody to kind of oversee the process, um, somebody who can delegate to get things done, but ultimately you gotta get things done. So it, it's a challenge, but there are great ways to resolve um, that challenge and it fits with people's um, individual choices and things. Right.
0: I really like that. I like that, you know, cause you can really sort of get blinders on when it comes to this kind of a decision because I feel like I've, and a lot of pressure, right? Around I have to, we have to choose who the executor is gonna be. Um, and we've got to, you know, sort of uh, make the right choice. Those kinds of things. Uh, but as I'm listening to you, I'm like, okay, well, you could take a step back and say, you know what? There's, um, there are other options. There are um, all kinds of possibilities related to this question. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a pressure-filled decision. Um, and again, you know, uh, answering this question is a lot easier. If it feels complicated to us, it's a lot easier. Uh, in dialogue with someone like yourself,
1: yeah, and you know the other the other thing to kind of add to that is um, having conversations with the people that you 've chosen to be the executor of of your will, for example, while you 're still alive uh, is is just it 's a great tool for couples to kind of get themselves at ease that yeah this this is a great choice for us um, this person is willing to do it. They, they understand what our goals and objectives are. Um, you don't have to just dump it in their lap um, after you've passed away. You can actually engage them in this process ahead of time. Uh, they don't have to do anything while you're still alive, but at least you can engage in a conversation with them. And I think that helps people um, kind of get over some of these obstacles. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Steve, when we first started our conversation, we were talking about uh, how it's easy just to put off a decision about a will. Uh, and one of, the, one of the complicating factors or one of, or one of the uh, primary reasons that people put it off is that uh, in many instances, it can just feel like an overwhelming task, right? It's sort of like um, if you've put it off for a lot of years, maybe decades, uh, mm-hmm. and you've accumulated a certain amount of wealth, a certain amount of assets. Uh, you have all kinds of questions related to uh, your home or whatever possessions, or a business, or uh, bank accounts, and all the you know all these kinds of questions related. And it's easy to become overwhelmed at just the thought of trying to get things squared away. Um, can you talk a, a, a bit about that in terms of being a barrier to completing a will?
1: Absolutely. Um, I I sort of look at this as, um, you know, it it can be a process that you have to go through, but if you're one who likes to look at the big, like, this is a huge deal. um, Yeah. This is going to be challenging to do. Um, If, if you're one who likes to look at things to say, you know, yeah, there's a lot of, there's, there's work that has to be done, but if we just kind of, Take some steps and keep moving along, we'll get there. And, and I think that's the approach that, that we encourage folks to, to take is, yeah, it, it will take some time. Um, it will take some conversations. Um, it will take looking back at some records maybe, um, but let's not make it too complicated than what it really is because at the end of the day, you're really getting a document in place that you say, hey, I'm comfortable that this states my intentions and i've got things in order right the beauty of the planning is you look at it today and you say yeah this this is it works for me i like it and three four or five years from now if it doesn't fit you can always change it right and say okay and the second time you go through it with some changes it's a lot easier than the first time you go through it to just get it in place so um I can't, I don't want to underestimate some of the time and, and things that go into it, but I would not call this complicated and overwhelming at all. Um, I, I think it's just something we have to, to, to do. It's something we have to take some time to do and make some decisions. And I think we have to commit to prayer. Um, we have our own anxieties and fears that we like to put into things. And if we can, we, if we can put some prayer behind this, um, you know, God will give us the peace to do it
0: that's awesome uh just a reminder to folks who are participating if you have comments or questions for steve uh use the q a button at the bottom uh one of the things that i'm always so impressed with is just the growing library of re- t- uh, tools and resources for people uh, and steve of course you're a tremendous resource and our planners here at ben- barnabas foundation are tremendous resources uh, for helping to complete a will and helping to sort of uh, take some of the pressure off feeling overwhelmed uh, at the at the thought of getting getting your estate in order steve let's uh, let's talk about I know a lot of times for folks if they think about completing their will and then they go, well you know we have to get a lawyer and i don't know any lawyers and if I did i mean I can get uh, I can just google lawyers in my area or lawyers near me and I can just pick one, but i don't know. Uh, you know, whether I'm choosing the right lawyer or whether this lawyer could be trusted, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, how you've seen uh, couples and families answer that question and work through some of the complications of it?
1: Sure. Uh, I think you have to start kind of with the idea of let's let's find a lawyer who shares some of our similar values. So we like to um, connect people when we can with Christian attorneys who who can understand where people are coming from in this whole planning. Um, so I think that's important. I also think it's important to have a lawyer who who does practice in the area of estate planning and wills and trusts and things like that, because there are a lot of specialties under the law. I mean, you, you just don't want somebody who. Who does an occasional will here and there to, to, to kind of help? So, how do you find those people? Um I think about asking um, advisors. So if a couple is working with, with an insurance person, ask them if they have um, some referrals. Um, ask a tax person, ask a financial advisor. Um here's a great one. Talk to your other family members. You know, ask your parents or your aunt and uncle or somebody, you know, hey, we're looking at doing some planning. Is there a lawyer that you use that you would trust and, and you value their opinions? And, you know, maybe maybe you can kind of do accountability buddies, you know? Uh, we haven't done ours yet either. You know, let's go to the same one and you do yours and I'll do mine and we'll, we'll, we'll get it done. So I think it just gives a, a great conversation. Um, There are some online resources you can use. There's, there's a a group called Christian Legal Society. Um, They have some online um, uh, resources of people in in areas all over the country that can help too. So, um, but it's, it's important to find somebody who does this kind of work regularly and who shares the same values that you do. Steve,
0: I'm so glad to be having this conversation with you and, and again, just uh, reminding um, ourselves about uh, who we're sharing this information with and that is churches, church uh, pastors and leaders and recognizing that this is a real thing for people in your church, that this, uh, this actually happens all the time that families get stuck, couples get stuck, individuals get stuck related to a will, related to thinking about how they want to leave a legacy uh, for those who follow after them. And uh, the fact that um, you know we have a Barnabas Foundation, that Barnabas Foundation exists uh, for answering these kinds of questions and Steve, uh, Uh, You're a planner and have been for a number of years, and there's other planners from Barnabas Foundation. Uh, It's so fabulous to have this as a resource for our churches. And I just want to mention, too, that uh, because of the relationship between Barnabas Foundation and the Christian Reformed Church in North America, uh, your church members, ages 55 and up, they have complimentary access to conversations with uh, planners like Steve, and um, that's something that is a tremendous value and is just sitting there for your church members. So again, at the, at the top of our conversation today, I said, this will come out as a video, it'll come out as a podcast. Uh, think about which church leader uh, you can share this with. Uh, once they've listened to it, ask them, have you listened to that? And then have a conversation, say, what did you think about that? Are there things that we can do as church leaders to help people connect to Barnabas Foundation, to help people get the resources they need so that they can complete a will. Because like uh, the person that reached out to me, I mentioned uh, last week, they want to leave a gift in their church in many instances, but don't have things in place to be able to do that. And that's where uh, the kingdom impact comes. Absolutely. Steve, I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank uh, folks for joining us here today. I want to just mention that uh, all of our church resources from Barnabas Foundation are found on church.barnabasfoundation.com. And uh, you're welcome to check that website out. It's, It's a tremendous resource for you and for your church leaders. Also, I just want to mention that next month, our quarterly newsletter called Generosity Today, Uh, that it will be coming out. Keep an eye uh, out for it. That's our uh, newsletter that promotes uh, gifts in a will and also gifts of non-cash assets. Uh, It's important to make sure that your church members have that in their hands. Again, Steve, thanks so much for your time and your expertise. Thanks, Phil. Great to be with you today. It's a pleasure. God bless. Thank you for listening. This audio has been brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn how we can help you experience smart and
1: powerful generosity. Visit us today at www.BarnabasFoundation.com.